welcome to Advisor Talk with Frank LaRosa. Brought to you by Elite Consulting Partners, it's the only podcast offering unfiltered guidance and direct advice for all things concerning financial advisors, RIAs, and the practitioners in the wealth management business. Learn more and subscribe today at EliteConsultingPartners.com slash podcast. And now, here's your host, Frank LaRosa. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Advisor Talk with Frank LaRosa. I am your host, of course, Frank LaRosa, um, the owner of Elite Consulting Partners as well. And today, uh, we're going to do our, th- our third episode of a three-part series on growing your practice. And I have John Randall on, who's the owner of Extraordinary Financial Advisors Coaching Company. Uh, John, welcome to the show again. Thanks, Frank. Awesome to be back for round three. Lots of great stuff to get into. Let's go for it. Yeah. So I, uh, for those of you who watched our show on on uh, on YouTube, which is Advisor Talk with Frank LaRose on YouTube, um, I decided to uh, go uh, without my jacket on this episode because uh, we're going to get into the nitty gritty. We're going to roll our sleeves up and uh, get into some tactical things. So uh, for the first two episodes, John, right, to catch our listeners up, first episode was identifying your sort of your growth problems, right? What are the gaps in your growth? Uh, the second one is sort of coming up with the solutions. And we talked a lot about uh, segmentation, really basically client segmentation to increase your service level uh, to your better clients. 80-20 rule, right? Uh, spend more time with the folks that are generating 80% of your revenue. It's 20% of your clients. Um, so now imagine we've gotten our client over the hump of the anxiety of maybe getting rid of some clients, maybe having having account minimums. And so they say to you, John, I listened to what you said and I segmented my book of business. And I, and I even got rid of some clients that aren't that aren't revenue generating and they take up service models. Now I'm losing sleep at night because I don't know what I'm gonna do now to 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 turn that, you know, that the, those remaining clients into more revenue. So let's just get into the weeds and talk about what are the things that you are working on with your clients, because you have clients all over the country. Um and you know, to help them sort of, they listen to you and they're trusting you. Now, what are the real tactical growth strategies that you're recommending to help them grow that revenue? Yeah. So as we, we go from this, you know, leap of letting go of smaller clients, doing more for, for top clients, it's really, that's really the secret to the fastest growing people. They're, they're doing this. And so people ask, well, how do I do more with my top clients? What should I do? And I can't tell you how many times we hear, well, I've done everything that I can do with, with my clients. You know, I'm special. So I have yet- How about this one? I have all my clients' money. Right, right. Yeah, everything. Yeah. I have yet, yet to come across the practice that has captured every client opportunity. Maybe you listening are the first one in the industry, but it's highly unlikely. So, um, so we're going to talk about what you can do to capture more business with clients which can in turn lead to capturing new clients organically. And once you're really good at what we talked about and you know, capacity with the client experience in the last uh, second podcast to this one, how to grow with existing people, once you're awesome at these, you are in the greatest place to recruit other advisors and to acquire other businesses. And you, you just you just are, you're more profitable. You have more better things going on that other advisors will wanna be part of. 
People will want to sell to you because you have all this great stuff going on. So there's a lot of, you know, exponential great factors here. But at the end of the day, it's about more revenue, more profits for your firm. And uh, so we'll dive into the tactics here, how to do it. Yeah, let's go. So what's the first one? So doing more with clients in this segment. Most of the revenue for most of financial advisors comes from investments. So as you think of investments, we're on an interesting you know, trend here in our industry where you know, everyone's heard of price compression is existing. And, and look, a lot of that has been driven by you know, a robo-advisor that came out a lot of years ago, right? There's a lot more automation. There's a lot more, um, you know, less humans involved to manage money. And really, at the end of the day, you know, even though it is so much revenue, it really shouldn't take that much time. You know, if you're out there and you have some like special investment model and you spend a lot of time on it, that's not really our business. Our business is relationship management. It's working with individuals. It's 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 cultivating that that relationship, the client experience. That's what keeps people around. That's what drives revenue. But it's a big revenue source, the investments. So any professional service if you think about a weight scale, has price and value on a weight scale. So if the value you're delivering is so heavy that a lot of people won't worry about the price. So even though in our industry there's been price compression with investment management, a lot of the real, you know, full service advisors that actually, you know, do a great job for clients, they haven't seen a lot of attrition. There's a great Michael Kitz's podcast about a year ago that talked about this, that, you know, the typical, you know, full service advisor that's really doing what we talked about last episode, they are not seeing a decline. So I would just think about, is there a way to really look at your offering? And you could have your standard offering, but you could also have an enhanced offering that has more value that people might want to pay for. So I'm not talking about going back to clients and just saying, we're just going to raise fees to raise fees. That's like going to the grocery store and you're used to milk being $3 and all of a sudden it's $7. You know, that stinks. That does not feel good. But if you went to the grocery store and there was that $3 milk and right beside it was a special $7 milk that made you better looking, helped you live longer, some people might opt for that different milk. So same kind of thing. You can still get the old milk, it's just fine. Or you might want this enhanced milk here. So there are ways with your services to kind of evaluate what your offering is and is there an enhanced offering that your clients might opt for. Actually, so, just funny you say that we just, um, you know, part of our service model um, is, you know, when it, we move an advisor independent, we can, and we can work on their, their, we run all their payroll and all their benefits. We can help them with all those things. And we actually just had went through this exact process because we were doing things for clients on the payroll side. And um, we ended up sort of doing things that really they weren't part of that program, like weren't part of running payroll. It was sort of HR related kind of stuff. And uh, we went through an, an exercise and we said, hey, listen, we're still going to give you you know, payroll, we're still going to do all the things we promised we're going to give you. But for these other services that you seem to have interest in, we're either going to have to charge you a la carte, which you don't want to do, right? Or we're going to charge you what's called an basically an enhanced, uh, enhanced payroll service program, uh, which is great and will service the, you know, service you and you'll be happy. Um, it's just a little bit, a little bit more money, or you can just stay the way you are and do yes. what you do what you're doing today. And that's great. And any of these other things that you want, you can just 
you can go to Paychex directly because they have a, they have access to to the Paychex system. You can go directly, and or you can get a higher level of service and come through us. And they all basically opted to the for the for the higher, yeah. the higher you know the enhanced payroll fee. So it's amazing how many people you know will upgrade if given the option. So I think a lot of times advisors just don't provide the option for something else. It's just the same old thing, and clients don't realize that there's more. So. Great, LPL you know, did a survey, um, and I don't know the exact numbers, but I was at, that, at a conference with them a year and a half ago, and they did a survey of the top producers at their firm, um, and the top producers at their firm raised their fees every two years. About that, yeah. raise their fees. It's great for listeners. You know, when's the last time you know you raise fees? I hear a lot of times like it's over ten years or fifteen years. Right, <laughs> it's a lot right. of times, and, and you do yeah. that, and the clients are like, "Oh, I, you know, I, I thought you would. Yeah, I was wondering when you were going to." You know, when you were going to increase your fee, everybody, you know, I, yes. oh yeah, I increased, you t- you talk to a business owner, like, yeah, I mean, I've been increasing fees on my clients for years. I was wondering when you were going to do it. Like, it's such a scary thing. And, and so the first thing advisors say is, well, I could do this with new clients, but I could never do this with my existing clients. But every single one that doesn't, we've led tons of practices through, through this transition and again, it's not about charging more. It's just giving people the option for, you know, the better mill, an, an enhancement, an upgrade. Every time the clients say, well, it's about time. We've been wondering when you were going to do this. So it's a great growth option. You know, you, you said the big one earlier, Frank, that, oh, I have all my clients' assets. I can guarantee you don't. Uh, yeah. They hide accounts. They have little stuff on the side. They do. And so to dig for those can help. You know, this is a neat time for the first time, and I don't even know how long. We actually have interest rates, and uh, it's not too hard to capture assets from a bank and put them in something that's actually earning interest. It's astounding the amount of um, assets that, you know, good clients that are savers that don't spend anything. They have hundreds of thousands just sitting around. And uh, it's neat to see advisors capture millions in those assets that look, once they come to your firm, they're not going to say, hey, can I have that money back and sit in my checking account? Even if it's going in a CD or money market or something with you, eventually it's probably going to get in your, you know, your wrap accounts are probably going to get into something that uh, helps them grow and produces revenue for your firm too. That's the mutual win we're looking for. Yeah. One of the things that... um. Yeah, and again, especially we talked about this on the last episode. When um, when I work with a client and have them transition to a new firm, I I go through not only what are you going to tell your clients about why you moved, right? But I also coach them on what to tell your clients to attract new assets. Again, to quote another stat from LPL, it just happens to be I had those stats in my head, but I've seen it over and over and over again over the years. Um, they are at 106%. And the average advisor that moves to LPL after six months is at 106%, 106% uh, more assets than when they when they first got to the firm, right? Pretty and incredible. It's, it's really yeah. about coaching. Um, I, I experienced that myself when I moved my own practice years ago, many of our clients, because if you position things the right way, you're telling your clients, why you're doing it, enhanced services, all these other things. And oh, by the way, you know, John, I know you had that Merrill account or that whatever account, you know, while we're going through this process, why don't we just roll, roll that in? Um, because of, you know, it's cleaner, it's uniform. You haven't been happy with that person anyway. He hasn't called you in, 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 in six months. And with our system, you know, you get a call every whatever, like you can go through the, the system that you, uh, the supernova system, you have that, those conversations. Um, 
And then sometimes, which is the hard conversation, tell a client they're not necessarily, you know, like, hey, there's no, there's no seat on the bus for you yeah. um, at the level that you're currently at, um, unless you want to bring over the, you know, these assets or those assets because we're enhancing our service model to our existing clients and we have a $500,000 minimum or a million dollar minimum. And in order for you to meet that standard, which we'd love to have you as a client, um, and you know, but if you bring over that five hundred thousand dollar Morgan Stanley account, um, you know that that will fit into our service model. We'd love to have you. So why don't we roll roll that in? Um, I think that terrifies advisors when they. When it they, does. They it does. That. But it's it's uh, you know you look at just the levels of satisfaction. I mean, clients you know like getting contact. Like you talked about last one. They like getting advice from you, but they also like you helping them implement stuff. That's the highest level of satisfaction. So if you capture these assets, think about it. They're probably better off with you. A lot of advisors, like we talked about before, they don't have much of a service system. They're not getting a lot from their advisor. If you're listening to this and you're getting better, you're probably doing more than other advisors out there. So these clients are better off if the assets are here under your watch and your team's watch. And then, so yes, getting more assets in is massive, but then getting them in a place where clients are better off and your firm generates revenue. Sitting in an old brokerage account and old mutual funds collecting dust, probably not the best place. Actively managed wrap accounts, probably a better place. Clients are going to perform better over time, even with paying a fee, right? There's a, a, a benefit to paying that fee. There's a better return on the investment historically for people that are in actively managed portfolios. Yeah, the so, other thing that I always recommend, I, I use the term lead, lead with lending. Um, you know, if you're at a firm, I mean, you have to be at a firm that has the capacity to do that. Um, but lead with lending. If you go to your, especially your, you know, under this, this sort of conversation, you're spending more time with your better clients. Your better clients are probably more than, more than likely business owners that are trying to do other things and looking for low, you know, low interest capital to go out and invest and do other things. And if you go to them with opportunities, um, and, and uh, you will bring in more assets because they'll want to collateral. They want to use those assets to get better a better rate on their work on their loans. Um, I've always found that as a director, a tremendous way to attract new assets by offering them something. You're offering them a lower interest rate loan or competitive rate loan. Uh, than the competition. And I think there's a huge misnomer that just because someone has $50 million or $100 million, they don't need to borrow money. Those are the ones that borrow the most money because yeah. they know what they can return on that money. So, um, you know, I'm looking at so the, the areas that you can do business with a client, right? You, you talk about yes. investments, financial planning, insurance, lending is a huge one. It um, is. What about... Um, what about like so so doing more business with those clients is great. Um, how do you then go out and attract new clients? So the, so the second component of this thing is really attracting new clients, right? How do you go about that? Because that's also something that advisors are, I don't know, afraid of, like asking for referrals. Yeah, well, it's it's uh, remember that we talked about in a previous episode. If you're doing such a fantastic job with people that they are going to tell others about it, you know, they, they they will come. That is a growth strategy. So when people say, I want to grow, I need new people, I always go back and look at, well, what are you doing with the existing people? Because they are the quickest path to others just like them. The number one way advisors are attracting clients is through referrals. 
just is. They, the clients you're working with know your value more than anyone else. So they have already interpreted, they've already experienced it. They can talk about it to somebody else. And most affluent people in the industry are meeting their advisor through some kind of introduction. Number one, through a client. Number two, through a professional like a CPA or, or attorney. So it's really simple, but, um, you know, it doesn't have to be just, you know, ask, ask, ask all the time. Yes, we, we, we teach some comfortable ways to position it and bring it up to really just keep people's radar on to help others just like them. But really just targeting and maybe finding a niche is kind of the next level. So even if you have one client that, gosh, they work at this place, they're a really good client, there might be other people like them or they own this type of business. There might be other people like them that own these other businesses. That is, is target marketing. That's really where you can take referrals to another level. So let's say I'm just making this one up. So let's say somebody, um, a really good client you have owns a car dealership. Well, there's other people that own car dealerships. Sometimes car dealers get together and they talk about the business, they share ideas or they go to a conference. So um, to get access to other people like that, it's a smaller pond to fish in and it's easier to get to the next fish. It's easier to get to that next person. It's also easier to get known. So you can position yourself that, hey, I'm an expert in dealing with uh, car dealership owners. Even if you fake it till you make it, um, still, though, it's a much easier pond to fish in. And if, if the person you know has their radar on that, hey, you specialize in people like them, it's going to be easier to find the next one. But maybe you go to one of their conferences with them. Maybe you do something for some of those people. So leveraging your people that you really want to duplicate to find others like them, it makes the path a little bit easier. So you're not trying to attract anyone. You're not trying to get referrals from every single client. It's maybe one, two, maybe three clients that you have that have access to others like them that you're trying to duplicate or get access to. It makes this path a lot easier. Now you're just putting effort into a small number of people to try and you know duplicate or get access to or do something fun with, and they might bring one of those people along. It's a much, much easier task. So it takes the dauntingness out of trying to attract new people and it actually makes it kind of easy. Right. Where do you find um, this sort of new, new age? Uh, where do you find social media and branding fitting into this particular bucket of attracting new clients, right? What's your take on it? Well, it's becoming more and more, right? Especially in the last few years. Um, I'd say it's it's an influencer. People definitely check you out, right? They might look you up on whatever, Facebook, your website, those kind of things. Um, you know, you hear these one-off cases of someone just randomly Googled me and checked on my website and they found me now they're their they're client. But most of the time, it's they hear about you and those things are supporting. So they're kind of like perfect surround sound that, hey, I heard about this person. Let me check out their website. Let me check out their you know, Facebook or social media that they're into. Hey, they're into something I am or, hey, we have mutual friends. Oh, my goodness. Uh, it just it's sort of a tipping point that makes it a little bit easier if you're out there. They can kind of get to know you a little bit and it takes any discomfort out of meeting somebody new. So. It's not, you know, on its own, it's not huge, but it's a huge amplifier to some of these other methods. It makes it much easier for, you know, people to come in. So yeah, we're, we're seeing, um, you know, one of the other business lines we have is uh, is chief, uh, really just fractional CMO services. And we're working with some Maripise folks and working with some 
LPLs and Raymond James, and yeah. we're helping them build their brands. And what we're trying to get them to understand is like, hey, listen, we're going to do your social media, Instagram, all that. And like the phone's not going to just start ringing, right? Like it's a it's a long-term, it's a branding thing. It's um getting them to understand who you are as an individual, because when you meet them, when you meet somebody at at a park or at a restaurant and you give them your card, what they're really doing is they're going to go to your, they're going to go online and they're going to see what you're all about. So it's like supporting, right, supporting documents. They want to see, they assume you're a financial advisor at any number of those firms. So you're smart, right? Because you wouldn't, you're smart, you're at that firm, right? But what they're really looking for is do they like you, right? Do Is there some commonality? So if you're in, in the yeah. car dealership, the car dealer owner example, you know, you better have like your website better, better be focused on that, have something yes. that resonates within that world, your social media, you better be posting stuff, you know, like talking about that industry and, and floor planning and whatever it is, like floor planning is a thing that they deal with, with car loan lending and all the cars and the lots. Right. Um, so like you need to be talking about that stuff. So when somebody else, um, when two car dealer owners are sitting together and they say, Oh yeah, my guy is really great. He's at, you know, wherever Ameriprise or LPL or Ameri, well, it doesn't matter. Morgan Stanley, well, maybe not because they don't have as much social media. But you know, that person's going to go. Oh, let me check him out, her out. Your social media better be locked in. So yes, uh, and, and I like this speaking to your target, speaking to your niche. Right? I mean, there should be content there on your website and your social media that speaks to those people. So that that say, separates wow, you from everybody great. else. It does because it's a wide sea of advisors. There's so many out there. No one's really sure what everyone does. And um, it's hard to be known, but to you know, focus more on these people, it's so much easier. And everything follows suit, right? Your website should be this way, your uh, social media should be this way too. And and look, it's it's getting you know better with compliance. I mean, compliance is a braced look that this is, you know, the way of the future. So whether you're RA doing your own or, or you're one of the you know great independent firms that, that you mentioned, Frank. Um, it, it, it's, it's evolving what you can put out there and sure there's approvals and things like that, but you can really tailor and really be viewed as, wow, this person is for me. They're striking a chord with exactly me and your target. And, uh, it's kind of the next level of this. They're family oriented. They're, you know, they're outdoors people. They're whatever the niches Mm -hmm. are, uh, because your clients tend to be like you, right? So why not put you out? Uh, on social media so the people can see you. So that gets into the 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 third component of sort of growing because I think this is something in the in with branding and social media and M&A activity which is something that you've been really good at. I think that people don't understand the importance of that also. Um so talk a little bit about the your sort of the, your merger and acquisition experience as it relates to tactical growth strategies, right? Because this isn't really about an individual client it's about a, a bunch of clients that come come with one advisor right but you can't do that and spend the time on it if you're not segmenting and have the time as a as the visionary to do that so just talk for a little bit about the MA side of this thing it's kind of the same fundamentals of doing more with clients uh, uh, attracting more so if your business is advisors now 
It's, hey, we do a lot with advisors. This, we recruited this person in. We help them grow. They got a great track record. Or, hey, we acquired this person and, you know, we grew it. It really is the same thing. But then, you know, getting referrals to those people. What's your target? Are you looking for people from a certain firm, from a certain office that's down the road you're trying to get known with? It's easier to get known there. Maybe a wholesaler or someone in an industry you know can introduce you and Maybe it just happened to be at a lunch together kind of thing. So you can get access to people easier if you have a narrow window. You're right. You're, you're supporting sounds of website and social media should really speak to those people. So if you're like, you know, John Cutton hadn't been in a client meeting for 12 years, he's in a whole nother level of the business as an entrepreneur, but he is actively seeking acquisitions and other advisors to add to his firm. You know, that's his game now. And he's kind of known for that. So to give away value there and to really target this certain advisors you're trying to work with, it's really, it's the same formula. And um, it, it's so neat how, you know, a lot of you listening have probably gotten really good at the financial advisor business and just take what worked there and applied it. Now, what I find is a lot of people don't do, they don't have as much experience acquiring M&A, you know, kind of things with other advisors that they did in their business, but they learned a lot of great fundamentals. So we just need to transfer what they learned in the advisor business to acquire, you know, business and really grow, do a good job with it. It's applying it there for mergers and acquisitions and getting really good at those basic tactics, the fundamentals that are really going to track the deals and help you win over somebody else. Because you're always in a beauty contest. If you're recruiting or buying, you can guarantee somebody else is, they're talking to somebody else too, but uh, you can win them over by some of these fundamentals. Right. Now you, you say that you have to be ready, right? Must be ready. Um, so when you say be ready, what do you mean by be ready? I'd say all the, all the facets we've talked about in this series, capacity, you've got advisors that can handle the clients. You have a great client experience that can care for the clients that are coming to your firm and you're creating a lot of value for them, right? You're doing a lot of things for them. You're doing financial planning and uh, the results of getting referrals from these people is proof that this stuff is, is working. So really each of the things we talk about in these last three series, if you have done all of these, you've worked on capacity, you've worked on your client experience, you've worked on how to grow, create a better experience, do more with clients, you are even more ready to acquire and bring in people from other firm. And the practices that work in these things, it's just easier. It's easier to get a loan if you're acquiring because you've got more profits. They're going to want to you know, give you loans all day long if you've got a profitable business. If you're acquiring things and you grow it, they're going to want to continue to, to give you loans to buy that external acquisition. But um, those really, I mean, the, the, the things we've covered here, are a lot of the fundamentals, of course, we can go a mile deep on each yeah. of these. And there's a lot of nuances in it, but to keep it simple, it's some of these, these basic things we discussed here that will help you attract more in M&A, more recruits, more acquisitions, make you even better to win these deals. Yeah. And uh, we talked about this in the, in the last episode in terms of, you know, being ready. You, you Some advisors think, well, you know, I'll work through that when I get my first opportunity, right? When I when I come across the 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 local guy that he's been seeing at the coffee shop that he knows is an advisor, eventually he's gonna he's gonna sell. I'll I'll work through those things once he becomes an opportunity. And the mistake that's a huge mistake. What you really need to be doing is acting as if like today, acting as if you had an opportunity right now that walked through the door. How would you present? What's your value proposition? 
Can you define your client segmentation strategy? Can you define what the client experience is going to be for those clients of the selling advisor who probably has had those clients for 20 or 30 years? Half of them are probably their close friends, right? Maybe not half, but a large swath of them, Um, right? And that selling advisor is going to be very concerned about how are my clients going to be taken care of? Um, And like we talked about with, with your brand, and I've seen this because uh, we work on the M&A side as well. We have that business that handles that stuff, which is partly why we got into the the marketing services, right? The CMO services, because I would have a, a buyer and then I'd ha- have a seller and the seller would go to look look up the buyer on social media and their website was really old. It wasn't really well put together. Um, yeah. There was no you know, sort of LinkedIn exposure or any type of other social media other than the website that was, you know, probably 10 years old, right? And so it doesn't give a seller the warm and fuzzies to feel like, you know, they're they're okay having that. That's why they're getting out of the business because they don't want to have to upgrade and do all of those things. They recognize where the industry is going and they're not interested anymore, but they want the clients to go to a firm that has all that stuff. And you can't have a, a good website, what does your client service model look like? Right? I know it's sort of picking at things, but I've seen deals basically not even blow up, not even get started. Yeah. Right? Because of those little things. So, um, you know, look, I think that advisor acquisition recruiting is like the holy grail now. Everyone's talking about it. Um, Maybe other than James Gorman, who talked about uh, recruiting is dead, which I thought was... (laughs) No, it's the sexy right, thing, sure. right? Everyone wants to do it, but um, being ready for it, I think you said it best, Frank. It's it's uh, a lot of people think they're ready, they're not, but the more ready you are, the easier it will be. You'll land more deals left and right, but a lot of it lies in these fundamentals we talked about in these last three series. If you're doing these things, you will be even more attractive to a recruit, a seller. They'll, they'll see it. They can tell. Yeah, you know, and one of the things that we, we never mentioned this, but the other th- component of it is when you're ready to sell, right? And what does your practice look like in evaluation? And we're not going to get oh into that gosh. on today's call, but yes. you know, like that, th- all of these things, it, client segmentation, a buyer's looking at all that stuff. And the better you are with these things, the better your valuation. Yeah. Yeah. Some of the highest multiples we've seen is uh, the sellers really have this dialed in. They're working with very little, small number of clients. They've got all these systems and other people are handling the less, like the less work for a buyer, the higher the multiple makes it pretty easy that these clients are on autopilot, there's referrals coming in, the assets are growing. That's pretty attractive. Without you, as, without you as the principal of the practice, oh, right? without huge. you as the principal of the practice. It's huge. Yeah. You do saddled with too many clients and, you know, losing assets and going backwards. It's not very attractive for a buyer. Yeah, the other, you know, the other thing too, it, but yeah. the other thing we didn't really talk about in client segmentation is we talk about a little bit about financial planning and investments. Um, and this is sort of a warning shot to those advisors that are out there that think that they're really great portfolio managers and maybe, maybe they are right. Uh, but the fact that you're running all the money for your entire practice in the eyes of a buyer is not a good thing. Yes. Um, you think it is, it's not a good thing because someone has to replicate what you're doing. Yes. And if you're not there, no one else can replicate it. And and I think that people, 
advisors have gotten off that because it used to be, well, you want to run the you want to run the money. This is when valuations weren't what they are today. But you want to run the money because no one can replicate what you do, right? That was the and like that was even when I was a manager. That's what that was my my thing yeah. with my advisors. Run your own money. No one can replicate it. The guy at Merrill can't copy your models. But the reality is that's flawed thinking. It is. It is. It's not the business you want to be in. You want to be outsourcing that. It's got to take no time. It's uh, yeah. It's about if you're selling, it's about what's attractive for a buyer. And if you're a buyer, I mean, look for um, great deals. I think sometimes we just. I see people just like take a deal to take a deal that might not be a fit or may not be ideal. They just want to get it. But, you know, is it really great? Are you just buying a bunch of, you know, crap that's going to clog up your system and give you all the problems we've <laughs> been through here? Yeah, right. Or you're you're buying something awesome. Yeah. I mean, there's not unicorn, too many unicorns for sale out there, but, uh, but pay attention to quality, uh, culture fit. We're seeing really, really important if you're acquiring or, or recruiting to is really important. You want to find good fits. Don't get too excited about something that's got red flags, but uh, so many great deals out there. Massive, massive opportunity to grow this business and all the ways we discussed from within, organically, inorganically with M&A. It's just, it's awesome. I love it. Yeah. It's a great time to be in the business. So John, thanks for your time. I appreciate it. this was really, really good. Um, if anyone wants to talk to you about uh, hiring you as a coach to help them go through the segmentation and really sort of, you know, 10X their business, uh, where where do they go? The easiest is our website right here, xfa.coach, short for Extraordinary Financial Advisors. If you want to email me directly, go for it. It's john, J-O-N, at xfa.coach. We, uh, we're so excited about helping advisors grow. We've got uh, a lot of capacity, a lot of great uh, advisors who are ex-advisors. They're either moonlighting, doing it on the side, or they've sold their practice at a young age and uh, they just love doing this kind of like me. So uh, we're excited to help you go to the next level. Awesome. And for uh, for my listeners, uh, thanks for joining the call. Um, again, if you want to check us out on YouTube, Advisor Talk with Frank LaRosa, don't forget to like and subscribe. Um, also, uh, share this with with uh, someone that you might think might this might be helpful to that's struggling with this business right now. Um, if you're looking to uh, reach out to me, if you're looking to transition or candidly, if you're just looking to uh, get some help with um, with your marketing strategy and you want to get in touch with our CMO team, uh, you can email me at frank at eliteconsultingpartners.com. Uh, you can always also call me at uh, 856-316-4651. Uh, our website, of course, is always is eliteconsultingpartners.com. And uh, John, thanks for this, uh, this series. It was great. It was uh, We had a lot to unpack. Uh, I would advise everybody to go back and listen to the first two. Uh, make sure you have a notepad with you and a pen because lots of good content there. So, John, thanks a lot. I appreciate your time. Thanks for having me on, Frank. Thanks. Thanks for listening to Advisor Talk with Frank LaRosa. If you're looking for more advice or solutions on any topics in the financial services industry, or you just want to subscribe to our podcast, head on over to EliteConsultingPartners.com slash podcasts.